0: Mm-hmm. <rece Gomez> the Angel Face Magic Hour. <Trustees Magical>. <Citizenshipirmi> the <Angeluce BMW> Hello my friends and welcome back to the Angel Face Magic Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Grace Lannon. I am an energy healer and a psychic medium, and I am so excited about our episode today. We're in for another solo episode, but today is an extra special episode. Today we are doing a Halloween special, our first ever Halloween special. So Halloween is coming up on Sunday. If you listen to this on the day this podcast comes out, um, and I love Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday, and. It's pretty much the only holiday I care about. I like Christmas because I like gifts. And you can get me a gift at any time. And I will enjoy it. Um, (laughs) Same reason why I like my birthday. But I also like to celebrate the end of the year. And like the releasing of this past year. And moving on. And I I love um, all of the celebrations. And the conclusions that time allows. So this time of year is all about, you know, the end of the harvest. And then we go into Scorpio season, which we are now in. And it's a lot about death, things dying, and eventually they will be reborn in the spring. And it's also a time where we can honor the dead. And a lot of different cultures do that in many different ways. Um, For example, Mexico they celebrate Dios de la Muertes Um, that's not on Halloween but right around Halloween and they honor their ancestors and the spirits that came before them and I I think that's extremely beautiful and I take um, my time this time of year to honor my ancestors and the spirit of the land that I live on and all of the beauty that comes from the unseen realms and the people that make up your blood. Whether or not you know them or not, whether or not you like them or not, they still make up your DNA, your cells, the little blood that pumps through your body is all connected to these people your bones your literal bones have fragments and elements of your grandmother your great-grandmother etc etc all the way back generations and generations so I think it's a really beautiful time for us to honor those people and even like I said not everyone likes their ancestors not everyone agrees with their ancestors and um even the people that are still living in your family. But I think it's really important to recognize what we have learned from them, good and bad, and how we can honor that and how we can release patterns that maybe we picked up from our genetic coding that we don't need to hold on to anymore. So say, for example, you were raised in a family family that was, um, super messy. Your home was dirty all the time. Um, and maybe your family's busy. Maybe there's reasons for that. Maybe they have mental illness or depression or alcoholism or, or maybe they're just lazy and that's okay too. Um, but you may have inherited that messiness. You may, come home and you drop all the things on the floor and you create these piles and it creates chaos in your mind for you that's just an example but you also may have created the opposite for yourself where now you're obsessed with keeping everything clean because you didn't have it that way growing up and that's what makes you feel stable so that's just an an example but I think it's really a great time to reflect upon those patterns and those learnings and these are negative um this is an example where it's negative but there are so many patterns and learnings that um come from our ancestors that are positive and those might be real far back like people you've never met people that never met you generations upon generations back they their resilience their strength um they survived, they literally live to have a child, and that child was someone else's child, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So they have something within them that has that strength, that resilience of life. And so this is a great time for us to honor those ancestors. Um, Samhain is also right on Halloween, and that comes more from Um, pagan traditions, but it is a lot about, yeah, honoring the dead and honoring that time in the year. So I think it's really interesting to look up about these different holidays and the ways they were celebrated and the ways they are celebrated today. And, um, thinking about that in reflection to Halloween and what it, um, kind of has evolved into so halloween is not directly the same as dios de la muerte so a completely different holiday but it's interesting that they are right around the same time of year and it is said that halloween did kind of evolve from um and more pagan traditions um so it's very interesting to see how those threads connect throughout time I think it's really interesting to reflect upon our surroundings this time of year, our literal surroundings, the nature that surrounds us, how are they showing us the themes of this season, death, rebirth, transformation, shedding, release, before we go into that, that hermit mode, that hibernation mode of winter, we have to really let it all go get it all out we got to get our screams out before we can be in that reflection mode so we can see that in our surroundings you know in most parts of the world not everywhere and of course I'm in the northern hemisphere so it's fall here like I said Um, but we can see that in our surroundings those themes the trees transforming The nature, the plants transforming, shedding. Some of the trees are changing color from that bright green color to reds and oranges and yellows. These very, these root colors, these sacral colors, these solar colors. The green is more, um, it's connected to the heart. So it's interesting that these colors are more connected with like the lower half of the body. Um, And I think that's really important for us to think about this time of year. How can we support our physical body? Um, You know, before we go into winter, and I think it's important all the time to take care of ourselves, but fall is a really great time as, as seasons shift and change for us to be taking better care of our immune system our lymph system our nervous system how can we feel more comfortable in our body so that when we go into these more stagnant months we are supported our life force our energy our vessel is supported so it's less likely that we get run down um, and get tired and you know there's importance in that hibernation phase like we're not supposed to be going constantly I have a whole theory about that when it comes to living in California it's nice a lot of the time it's probably going to be 70 degrees here today um and it rained last week and I felt the most alive I felt in a long time and I think sometimes living in places like California or Hawaii or you know the Caribbean Costa Rica like Um, those places, it's constantly beautiful. So sometimes it's, you don't get as much of that inward reflection time. I think some of that is also very much centralized to America and capitalism, like production, like you're not allowed to take a break type of vibes. But anyway, let's get back to the trees. (laughs) We see the trees transform color and then they start to shed and release, and their foliage comes down onto the ground. We see this with plants as well. That is that shedding moment, that release moment, that letting go. The also the importance of that supporting our um, whole ecosystem. So I have a huge oak tree in my backyard what comes off of the oak? Thousands and thousands and thousands of acorns. And the acorns land on the ground and some of them get eaten by the beautiful blue jays and the crows in my neighborhood and the other birds I don't know the names of. And some of them get crushed into the soil and some of them become little saplings to become eventually other trees many 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 years from now and i'm sure there's other sciency nature facts that someone other than me could explain to you um through the process of how trees work <laughs> cuz they're very complicated but let's think about and reflect upon for ourselves how are we doing this this time of year how can we do this time of this this time of year how can we transform our colors this is a metaphor of course how can we transform our colors how can we
1: release
0: let go shed And something I saw, I feel like on a meme or something somewhere, and it really stuck with me is the idea that the trees are not scared to lose their leaves. They're not scared to let go, they're not worried about, oh, if I shed these leaves. I have no more leaves. What if my leaves never come back? They just trust. They know the whole thing. They know the process. They get how it works. And we have so much distrust for process as humans sometimes. Because we don't trust our intuition as much um, as nature does. Because that's just the way it works. We're a little bit removed because of our consciousness. That it's easy to... Mm, worry about things a lot and not be um be worried about the outcome of things instead of just living in the moment. So I just want you to reflect for yourself, maybe even journaling about it. How can I be more like the tree? What am I holding on to for dear life crutching in my fingers? What am I of repeatedly saying I'm letting go of. But there's still something I'm holding on to. How can you just let the leaves fall. Let them deteriorate. Let them shed. Let them rot. So that they can re- be reborn. So those that soil can be reborn into something new. So if you're holding on to the same Um, thought pattern how are you going to have room in your brain for the new thought pattern sometimes you gotta clear stuff out to make room and I think it's a great time of year to do that in the physical as well I always encourage a good closet clean out maybe selling some stuff on Poshmark or whatever or giving it away to your friends or even donating it to a shelter There are, uh, think about some things besides Goodwill. I always drop stuff off at Goodwill, but I know it's not really the best option for us. A lot of those clothes end up in the landfill or, you know, the company's a bit exploitative. I do still sometimes drop myself off at Goodwill. I have a bag in my car right now that I intend on dropping off there. But there are many amazing better options than that so i think this time of year is a really good time to let go of stuff and allow it to be reborn so maybe you have a halloween costume from three years ago maybe your best friend can wear it on halloween this year she doesn't need to buy something new um maybe you have an old um canvas that had a painting on it that you don't like that painting anymore fuck it paint over it just start anew it like just thinking about how you can apply that in your literal day-to-day life what can i let go of and what can i transform the other night i had a big release and i did a amazing client personally and i did um an amazing client session and when i was getting ready for bed i was in my garage i talked about this on tiktok so um some of you might have heard this story but I was in my garage and I heard... I started getting this bad feeling in my body. Like, ooh, something's going on. Like, I don't like this. Like, I felt a little scared. Fear come up. Um, And I heard this rustling weird noise. It sounded like someone was outside my garage. So I thought maybe, like, a neighborhood kid was fucking around or um, the wind or, like, my neighbors were being loud or something. Um, But I got this bad feeling, like... And sometimes my neighbors fight Um, and I hear them fighting, and so sometimes I'm picking up on their, like, bad vibes or whatever. So I was like, oh, something weird's going on. I had this scary feeling inside of me, and it turned out that the rustling sound and the garage door sound that I was hearing was my freaking cat, Britney Spears, and she had emerged from her little corner in the garage where she thinks she can hide, and what she merged with was a snake she had a snake in her teeth it was a small very small snake she's a pretty small cat but I instantly recognized that's why I'm scared that's the fear because I am scared of snakes I I love snakes I love the idea of snakes um but I don't want snakes like near me um and I think that might be a past life fear I gotta figure that out gonna look into that um my Akashic records but so she came out and she had this snake in her mouth and I instantly got like a drip a drip of fear it felt like that clammy feeling in your when your face feels scared if you know what I mean when something scary happens or all of a sudden you get that um shooting feeling through your body like if you were about to cross the street and a car came <laughs> rushing by you. That feeling of like, oh my god, I almost got fucked up. That feeling of simultaneous fear and also like adrenaline. And of course she brought started walking up the stairs into the house. So my garage is attached to my house. Um, she started walking up the stairs into the house with her snake in her mouth and then she brought it into the living room and sh- she's done this before this happened last year one time um and I'm assuming the snake probably just like came inside because it was raining and it was like oh it's warm here um and so she had the snake in her teeth and then she let it go and it started swiggling its body and it freaked me out so much and what happened was basically I had to trap the snake and release the snake. I am not someone who likes to do things like this. The last time a snake was in my house, hopefully the hopefully this will be the last time I'll have to deal with this. But last year there was a snake in my house and my sibling was awake so I made them deal with it. I made them, I opened the door and I made them take the snake outside. Um, but Alex, my sibling was asleep no one was around. I was scared, but I, I, um, had to deal with it. I'm not going to fall asleep with a snake in my house. So I took a bowl. I put the bowl over the snake and then it ended up getting a spatula and like scooping the snake into the bowl, flipping it, opening the door, running outside, uh, 10 o'clock at night. Um, My neighbors, no one probably saw me because it's the suburbs. No one is looking. And then I basically ran outside with the snake. I got as far as I could without freaking out. And I put the snake on the ground. And then I watched the snake as it slithered away into wherever else it went. But I had to watch the snake until I could no longer see it anymore to know, okay, I'm safe. The snake's not here anymore. Everything's good. Um, But to me, of course, there is nature. Like I... There's nature. Like I said, the snake was probably like it's warm here let me go inside blah 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 blah. there are logical reasons for the snake to be inside my house but to me it was like very much a psychic symbol of transforming transformation the snake symbolizes transformation shedding the snake symbolizes many 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 things but a couple of the things are shedding transformation release rebirth and that is really about what was happening for me um, energetically as well as what I was working on with my client. It's like like, it's like clearing old fucking patterns um, and not making the same decision over and over again. Um, and that's been coming up a lot for myself and for a lot of clients. Um, and then this snake thing happened. I saw the snake and freaked out. And for me, what happened there was I was able to release some fear. I was able to um, face that fear and take on that transformation with um, pride, with excitement, with joy. Instead of um, being scared of what death can bring, I'm ready for the rebirth. So that was kind of a big like a Scorpio season moment for me that I had to see a tangible physical reminder of death, of rebirth, of shifting, of making new decisions, of creating new pathways. So I'm very curious if anything comes up for y'all in the physical when it comes to these themes like death, rebirth, um, shedding, transformation, release letting go so please do direct message me or email me and with any of my episodes please do like give me feedback like if something if I talk about something and it shows up for you I'd love to hear about it um I love 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 to hear those stories and again I've talked about this before but if you want to leave me a voice message with a story or a question to share in the podcast you know how to do so if you don't It's in the show notes. Scroll to the very, very, very bottom. There will be a link where you can um, create a voice message. Give you guys an update. So if anyone is interested in studying Reiki, I have a Reiki 1 class coming up in uh, the beginning of November. It's on a Sunday. I think it's the first Sunday in November. So super soon. Um, I will be updating my website with more details. But if you have any questions reach out to me um that is a class over zoom and that's a reiki one training certification course i'm very excited about that i also i'm gonna talk more about this on another episode but i also came to a conclusion (laughs) so last week i had the spirit school kind of like reflection episode and in recording that i realized i want this to be a self-paced program I want this to all be work that people can do on their own pace. And so I decided I'm canceling the November class. I'm going to reformat some stuff and I'm going to relaunch it probably the third week of November or the first week of December. And it's going to be an entirely self-study program where it's going to be... Like psychic boot camp, psychic 101, um, psychic and mediumship uh, yeah, 101. All the details, everything you need to know, um, lots of practice stuff, but it's going to be all things that you can do on your own and at your own pace. And I really am feeling the call and the need for this for people that are scared, a little bit nervous to take a class where it's live um and they but they really want to know this information. I think this would be a really amazing for people to be able to open up and then eventually get comfortable enough to start exploring this with other people as well. So there's going to be some switches around. I'm going to start hosting a Q&A call for spirit school people. It will be free and then for anyone else, it will have a small fee. Um, but that's going to be really cool for people to still be able to get that interaction with me and ask questions. Um, but I'm going to share more details about that probably next week, but I just wanted to give that heads up in case anyone listened to last week's episode and they're like, fuck yeah, I want to take spirit school. Mm, It's going to be a little different. (laughs) I'm, I'm switching it up. So I will be updating the website. Everything, um, will be updated very soon, but I'm just feeling this is going to be really epic and going to be able to serve a lot of people. And, you know, some people, maybe they're busy, they're a mom, they are they have a full-time job. like, But they want to know this information, but it's too hard to do um, if it was a live call. And this would be really beneficial to a lot of people at the beginning of their journey. And um, I just see how it's going to help so many more people. So I'm opening that up. I'm not saying that I'm never going to do it again live, but I'm just really, I've been getting this call for a while and I thought, okay, next year. But after I did the episode and listened back to it, I was like, actually, the time is now. (laughs) So things are switching around. Um, I'm also going to be launching... Basically more for people who have already begun a little bit and also people who wanting to explore uh, practice a lot. I'm going to be doing a uh, mediumship mentorship circle, cosmic mediumship mentorship circle. So that's going to kind of take the place of the live calls. Um, And for people who have already taken spirit school, this could be a great practice place. Um, but also anyone who wants to work on developing that connection with, uh, cosmic energy, spirit guides, angels, things like that, and work on mediumship. So that's going to be really epic. Um, I will share more details as soon as I have them, but that's kind of my updates. So many fun things are happening. Um, I'm so excited about so many things coming up in November and December, so, It's going to be a really fun, busy few months. So I hope everyone, um, if they're interested in working with me, I encourage you to set up a uh, consultation. If you are thinking about maybe wanting to do the mediumship circle or if you wanted to do one-on-one coaching I do have a few more coaching spots opening up um, probably the end of November and the beginning of December so the coaching is eight weeks when um, we meet weekly and yeah we'll get into that more later but just putting that out there I feel like there's some people who might be interested so I just want to remind you I am available to take on one-on-one clients and yeah, that's about it. So let's have our sponsor a little word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into our Angel Face Halloween special. All right, my witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls, <laughs> let us get into our Halloween special. <laughs> Welcome to our Halloween special. So, I invite you to put some candles on. Maybe get in your comfies. Get some popcorn or some candy. A sweet treat. A glass of tea. And get cozied up. Maybe under the covers. Or in your favorite armchair. Because I want to tell you some scary stories. <laughs> so I want to tell you this story that I was told as a little kid that scared the shit out of me. And then I want to tell you about one of my uh, internet obsessions. <laughs> one of the rabbit holes I have been deep and down far into that I want to talk about because I think it is a great topic for this time of year when we all are creating that little itch of fear within us. For me, I think it's just fascinating in itself. Why are we so interested in being scared What does that bring out of us? How does that affect us? What scares us individually? Like what kind of movies scare you when you think about horror films? So for me, I'm very scared of those demon type of movies. The Exorcist, we've talked about on the show. But I'm very scared of anything that's about possession and um, demons. There was one movie too that really scared me as a kid that was um, What Lies Beneath <laughs> which I watched recently. I made my sibling rewatch with me and this wasn't like a horror horror film. It was more of a, a thriller or a suspense but there was a ghost element in this movie and When we watched it back, I saw, oh, this is so interesting. This woman's being gaslit, thinking she's not seeing things. And it made a lot of sense to me why that was a movie that was scary to me. Because sometimes there were things that were unseen to others that I didn't feel like it was okay for me to share or talk about. So it was interesting to me that that was a movie that frightened me, but that was also a movie that I really enjoyed and it was just one of those movies that was on TV all the time. So I'd watch it all uh, over and over again. Um, but yeah, like thinking about what movie scares you the most and how does that apply to your life? you're scared of demons what do the demons symbolize if you're scared of zombie movies what do the zombies symbolize what can what like deep dark shadow corner in your mind does that represent maybe you're scared of more of the true crime type of scenarios someone comes into your house and ties you up those types of things The very real nature of our horrific world, especially in the United States. I recently, on last weekend, I went to a haunted house. A haunted house. Not an actual haunted house. Perhaps there were ghosts there, but it was interestingly enough in a mall, which we're going to be talking about later. An old abandoned mall that became a haunted house and old seers. <laughs> but I hadn't been to a haunted house in years. And the reason that it became so scary to me as I got older was not the creatures and the monsters. It was the idea in the back of my mind that I'm going to go to this haunted house and there's going to be someone there that's not just an actor. They're actually a psycho killer and they're going to stab everyone. So I would stay very far away from a haunted house. And those things are very true, very much our reality. I would not be surprised to see that as an American Horror Story plot or to see that on the news. But for some reason this year, I felt brave enough to go out into the world and experience it again. Because I've really worked on not being so scared of the what-ifs and all the possibilities. I used to be so scared just to drive to the grocery store. be Not even not even for any reason. Just worried that what if someone in a semi-truck smashes me and I just die and I, I don't even make it to the grocery store. Or what if I get out of the grocery store and then there's a, a mass shooting or something. These are the types of things that are very much the real horrors of the world. So sometimes it can be hard to enjoy the simulated horrors of Halloween. So I just want to take you back to a simpler time. And there has never, ever, ever been a simpler time. If we if we really want to think about it, there's never been a simpler time. There's always been murder. There's always been chaos. There's always been destruction. There's always been madness and terror. But when you're young, you don't know about all that. You have that little veil of innocence. So we want to take you back into that innocent play, that innocent playtime of fear and horror, for you to experience it from a joyful state And not um, spiral into all the real, very real terrors of the world in front of you. So today, I just want us to enjoy some good old urban legends and have some fun for Halloween. Okay, my friends. tonight I want to talk to you about an interesting internet legend called The Backrooms. So this is something I stumbled across because of TikTok, of course, but this is a concept I believe that originated from Reddit. So if you ever heard of a creepy pasta, this is kind of like the same thing. It's something that is fictionalized, but it is put out there to seem like it is real. So... People have basically built upon this concept through different blogs and different forums that they are able to explore this place that is called the back What I find so interesting is, is it possible that we could create these alternate realities through our storytelling by us sharing these stories on the internet, are we able to create this place outside of time in real life? Could we Could we physically go to the back rooms? Have people who claimed to physically go to the back rooms, have they really done so? Is this just an astral place? Is this a place that exists out of, our third dimensional reality or is this just another story on the internet (laughs) you be the judge so I want to talk to you about this concept because I think it's very interesting and I believe in the idea that we can create our own reality so is it possible that something that started as a meme could become very real I think if you look at the state of our country, you'd know the answer. So let's talk about the backrooms. The backrooms is an idea that basically, I believe, originated from Reddit. So... The idea is it's kind of similar to the idea of a video game where you have like specific levels that you can travel around in. So you're on level 1, level 10, whatever. There's different stories, lines that happen on the different levels. Maybe you have a side quest where you connect with a different character and you're going to have to collect your tokens or whatever. It's kind of like that idea. The idea that we have these different levels that we go through in time. Then, is it possible that you could sort of glitch these levels and what they describe as um, the terminology known as no clipping. So basically, it would be something that you would do in the background of the video game that you'd be able to outsmart the technology and be able to slip into the back rooms a level behind the levels like the coding like the framework can we can we exist there can we see what's behind the curtain so the way that people describe the back rooms is that they like are infinite that there are levels that Once you glitch out of our reality, you're able to kind of explore all these different levels. And on the different levels, there's different, like in a video game, different tools or weapons or things that you can interact with. And there's even things like different entities and energies and things that you might interact with. Um, And it gets quite weird. It gets quite weird. So... Let's remember that this is just something that people on Reddit are creating. They are just writing down their fictionalized ideas of what darkness looks like. And there are all sorts of bizarre scenarios that happen on the different levels. So I want to talk to you about them. But what I find most fascinating is that... These rooms are kind of like a a nostalgic space. There are a lot of people who see pictures of these supposed back rooms that recognize this place. They say, I've been there before, maybe in a dream, or maybe it just seems so familiar to you. It's like that nostalgic feeling. So a a lot of these places... um, are seemingly almost like a liminal space, so when we say a liminal space, this essentially represents a place that is in between a void state. so if you were in a place now that was um at one point very populated, very um, joyous, all this stuff happened there, and then all of a sudden it was empty. That's kind of like the the feeling that we are describing when we say a liminal space. So some examples of this would be like a school at nighttime, where everyone's gone and you just walk down the hallways and it's dark, and you know that normally there's all this energy there and it's just void. There's nothing. Perhaps it is like an empty parking lot in the middle of nowhere, an abandoned amusement park. Um, Those are some examples of liminal spaces. So the idea when we go into the back rooms is that they are, um, it's almost a familiar place to us. So it begins as a nostalgia and then we kind of go too far and then we can get stuck in this reality so they are a space that exists outside of reality and as a result they don't behave the way we usually expect places to behave they they go on forever they loop they twist they turn they intertwine they double back on themselves they relocate and they do all sorts of other things that in our minds they should not they're said to be over millions of square miles of this place um And it's, you know, I think it's interesting to think about the analogy of our mind where we could just endlessly loop in circles and we're really going nowhere with our thoughts. This is kind of like that feeling that unusual like plane of existence. So for example, if you're walking through, it's like a maze. You might open a door and you think you're going somewhere else, but you're really just walking back to the beginning again. It's that feeling of something isn't right here. It looks similar to my real life, but it's slightly off. That uncanny valley. If you know about the concept of uncanny valley, let me just pull up a definition for you. But it's like, it seems, it seems right. But then when you look at it too close, it's it's not what it seemed to be. Something's off. That's so funny. There is no... I can't find a definition. Basically it just it's it's like a doppelganger. It's it would be I would a doppelganger of yourself would be uncanny valley. So if you were to be walking down the street and you saw someone that looked just like you and you started looking at them and they saw you and then you just knew something wasn't right like something bad was about to happen. That's kind of like that feeling like it's something is off. I'm almost like in a different reality and I shouldn't be here type of feeling. So how did this concept start? Basically, it's just something that someone posted on the Internet. And because it seems so familiar, many other people started posting about it too. And what I find the most interesting is how it has evolved. So there's, you know, all these different Wikipedias and um, Reddits and stuff that people write about. And they basically have created this whole different reality on the Internet. But then there are people that say that they travel there. And then there's also TikTok videos that people have posted that make it seem like they're getting stuck in the back rooms. And of course, you know, it's likely this is all just fictionalized. But it really pulls on a concept of like um, astral projecting and like moving through different um planes of existence. So these back rooms really remind me of the concept of like lower astral planes, where there are, you know, entities and energies that maybe we don't want to really interact with. And this is kind of um, a similar concept in in, in my mind. So I want to talk to you guys about the levels and some of the descriptions, because it's very interesting and it might pull Something up for you So let's talk about
1: Level 0
0: Level 0 is a Non-linear space Resembling the back rooms Of a retail outlet All rooms in level 0 Appear uniform and share Superficial features So they have things like Yellowed wallpaper carpet, it's but it's damp. And then there's just fluorescent lighting. You can hear the sound and the hum of the fluorescent lighting. So it's like that space of an abandoned mall or a place after closing time. If you ever worked in retail, you can hear that humming of the fluorescent lights in the hallway. There's no one there anymore. It's just very creepy. So The installed lighting flickers inconsistently and hums at a constant frequency. This buzzing is notably louder and more obtrusive than an ordinary fluorescent light humming, and the examination of the features to determine the source has thus been inconclusive. Secondly, the substance saturating the carpet cannot be identified. It is not water, nor is it safe to consume. Linear space in level zero is altered drastically. It is possible to walk in a straight line and return to the starting point and end up in a completely different set of rooms than the ones previously passed through. Due to this and the visual similarity between each room, consistent navigation has proven extremely difficult. Devices such as GPS locators and compasses fall to function within the level zero. And radio communications are audibly distorted and often unreliable. So this is the way that the lore and the language of the lore is written. It is like a video game explaining to you what is in each level and what happens on each level and what to look out for and survival guides. And it's just endless. But to think of how many people see this and want to explore this space and how many people have tried to do so and what is the results of them exploring that place within their mind. So let's look all the way to level five because this one's where it gets a little scary this one is called Terror Hotel Level 5, the 6th level of the back rooms. This is an infinite hotel complex with many rooms and halls. The level itself seems to be constructed in the 1930s with furniture dating back to 1920. There are three main level three main areas in level 5, the main hall, The Beverly Room and the Boiler Room. The main hub of the area is the Beverly Room, often referred to as the Eternal Ballroom. The Gargantuan Room has two doors on the west wall and two doors on the east wall. Each leads to a different area of either the hotel or the boiler. It only contains a small art deco table in the center, illuminated by a large chandelier. On the table is an unfinished game of Mahjong. Attempting to mess up this game teleports you to level two. All the entrances are marked with a small copper sign reading, the Beverly Room, as one might see in a hotel banquet hall. So let's see what it says about the boiler. The boiler room. a series of large cobwebbed hallways with high ceilings and stained plaster or concrete walls. This area contains many barred-off areas with large pieces of machinery. The long corridors are hot and dry, and the small scent of smoke fills the air. Pipes and the exhaust valves from the early 20th century line some of the walls. Small of the, Some of the larger rooms from the Roaring Twenties area are furnished and have details. Many have reported the sound of whispers from a large face like boilers. There are currently three reported early 20th century elevators within the boiler, and it is advised to avoid them at all costs. Living statues reside in level five, so if you see one exploring an area of the boiler, then make sure to get out of there as soon as possible and keep eye contact as you run. Looking away while running can result in being mutilated by one of these statues. So on these different levels, there's different entities. And that gets very interesting, thinking about the idea of, um, again, creating our own reality. Like, are we interacting with these aspects of our um, unconscious mind? Or are we just writing a story? (laughs) So there are all sorts of weird things like um, death moths was one that I found very interesting. And just like hellhounds, all sorts of different creepy creatures. So people, basically the idea is that you can, again, you can no clip into these realities. You can glitch into these realities. So you can get into these back rooms and... The scary part of it is that they're infinite and they go around in um, nonlinear ways. So the idea is that people get stuck in there and then they're looming and um, living there for an eternity. So this could – people describe this as causing insanity, So I think it's really interesting that a lot of people have started just like as a troll, just creating these little stories, but then other people have tried to explore them and caused negative negative harm to themselves. So I think that this really reminds me of just um, like astral projection, being able to move through different realities. And if we don't know how to do this properly, we can hurt ourselves. Um, Of course, you know, there are many different ways that you can move within the astral spaces. And I don't believe the, the astral space looks like the back rooms, but I think It is a similar concept where there are these different levels and different ways to interact with these levels, quote unquote, or um, like points of entry into other realities. So, when in the back rooms, there's a lot of different doors that lead to nowhere. And in the astral space, this is similar where we can create essentially different portals to walk through and move through. But sometimes we can go to a place where we didn't intend to go if we don't know what we're doing. So I just wanted to talk to you guys about that concept and bring it to your awareness. And if it is not something that you've heard about, I suggest going on TikTok and looking at all the different descriptions of the back rooms and seeing if any of these pictures or um, stories are familiar to you. I think it's very interesting because people will talk about um, exploring abandoned places and then they talk about like they've entered the back rooms. So someone has possibly broken into an abandoned motel and they're just exploring and then all of a sudden it feels like they can't get out and there's no way out and I do think that a lot of these are just people trolling on the internet but I also think about all the really young kids on TikTok who see that who get really scared and who that creates like a um negative impression in their mind of the astral space of the in-between of the liminal space of the void space where maybe when they get older it would be a little scary to them to start exploring that concept so in some ways I think this is a way that we subconsciously can create fear around the unknown by living into these weird creepy pasta fantasies so that's it for now on the back rooms and let's get into a complete urban legend that I heard as a child that really scared me so when I was a little girl I had a best friend who was raised in the church and I think I've talked about this before but I was very obsessed with the idea of church and god and i remember on sundays i would always for some reason she had a podium in her yard but i would always sit behind the podium and um listen to what my friend learned in church and we would talk about god and i would always remember we would play like battling demons and things like that um It was this concept of like the end of the world, revelations, and we were like fighting on the side of God. We were angels or something like that. Um, We would play mermaids to like normal kids, but um, for some reason, we would always stand to fight for the Lord. So I was really always like fascinated with what she would learn at church, and I just wanted to know more. But I remember distinctly, I heard this story that she told me as a spooky, kind of scary urban legend story that her pastor had told to her. And I'm going to tell it to you. And I remember for years after I told this story, this was my campfire story. This was the story that I would tell to scare people and i scared many people with this story so thank you to that pastor for sharing this scary story with us but i just think it's really funny because he told this story and i don't remember the context of why he told this story but i believe it was around halloween and he was basically telling kids not to fuck around with halloween um, you know, you can dress up, you can eat candy, you can have fun, but beware there are evils around and you don't want to mess with them and darkness will come of you if you play around with witchcraft or anything of the like. And this story was specifically about Ouija, the Ouija board. So Ouija boards, if you don't know what they are... I'm sure you already do, but I'm going to tell you what they are. They are essentially a spirit board. You can create your own, but Ouija is a company. So this is a company that um, sells them. Well, actually it's not a company. It's It's the name of the board itself, and then there is a company that sells the board. It was originally, I believe, Parker Brothers that sold the board, and then now I think it's Harbor, what's it, Harborough? I feel like that's the gummy candy, something like that with an H, (laughs) I can't remember, but um. Ouija was like the name of this specific board, but there have been many other spirit boards that have been created and you can create your own spirit board. Sometimes they're also known as a talking board, but Ouija was like the most kind of popular. So a lot of people know it by that name. And then that board itself was used in movies and has a lot of kind of like negative connotations and connections to it. I have always had a little bit of scary um, feelings towards Ouija because of the story that I'm going to tell you. And then I did fuck around with Ouija boards a lot as a kid. I did have a few frightening stories. Maybe we'll have a whole Ouija board episode when I can dive more into the history of the boards because I listened to a very fascinating um Podcasts about it, and it would be something of interest for me to research. But I did mess around with Ouija boards, I had some scary experiences, but I also had some very beautiful experiences. Um, and then recently, maybe a few months ago, I listened to this podcast, and it was totally random. That I came across it because it wasn't like a podcast that I was subscribed to, but it was one day I was going to the beach and driving out to the beach and I really kind of wanted something to listen to that was of the um, metaphysical variety, some kind of podcast, something about spirits or mediumship or something that could be of interest to me, but it could also be somewhat educational. So I just kind of Googling around on the podcast app, um, and I came across this podcast. I think it was Jim Harold. He's like an old school. He has like a thousand podcasts. He's been a radio show guy forever, um, but he was doing an interview with this woman. Who um, she is, I'll have to like get her name and uh, get back to you guys with this next week, but a little more detail. But she basically works with a spirit board, um, like historical society. They have a whole museum. It's in Massachusetts. I'm going to have to go. Um, And it was so fascinating. She talked a lot about spirit boards and her connection to them and the history. So I'll share what that podcast was with you and you guys can listen to it. But it was very helpful for me because I had these kind of negative connotations with the spirit board. But I love working with a pendulum and I also often use my body as a pendulum and I think the Ouija board can be used for many positive things, but it's often that it's either has these stories, these scary stories imprinted upon it or just like five-year-old kids are playing with it and they're just messing around and not closing out the space and then There's just energy there. It doesn't have to be what we think of as demons. Um, There's many different spirits you could connect with in a spirit board. And this woman, she was talking about using it to connect with her spirit gods. So long story short, I purchased a Ouija board off of Etsy. It's still in my garage. I put it outside for a while because I just wanted to clear any energies that connected to it because it was a vintage board, a board that someone else had used. So I wanted to conquer that fear. I I have used it once, and I'm going to conquer that fear. I'm not scared, but I still am not sure how I want to use it yet. Um, And I think, like we were saying earlier with the idea of the back rooms, sometimes the stories that we hear can create of reality, a aspect of reality. So this story that I'm going to tell you put a impression in my mind as a child that perhaps when I used the Ouija board and also seeing the movie The Exorcist, again, that's the movie that fucked my life up. Um, seeing those negative connotations connected to using the Ouija board, maybe that put in um a like almost a filter of fear that when you come into something and you're nervous or you're scared about it that maybe you'll connect with something that's not exactly what you're wanting to connect with so i think it's very possible that our impressions about working with something we might have a scary um reaction to it we might have a bad reaction to it so if someone it, and the Ouija is just a tool like, and it could be any tool. So if someone has the impression that tarot is the devil's work and then they use tarot cards, maybe, maybe, just maybe they're going to pull out the devil card <laughs> as the card after they shuffle and that's the card that comes out for them. They're probably going to pull out that devil card because they are thinking about it. They are um, creating that that reality, that fear um, that fear feed the fear f- f- fear feeds off fear so when you're scared you might just see something out of your mind's eye and think oh my gosh it's a demon or you hear something in the other room like I told you guys that I watched the movie, what lies beneath recently. And the whole night after that, my sibling was like doing dishes and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like someone's in the house, like this ghost woman. Like I was just freaking out because I had, had that, um, like pre disposed, uh, idea in my mind that there's going to be something around because I watched that movie. So, it's very easy when we're in a state of anxiety or fear or stress for more things to come up. You probably see that in your in your everyday life of like, oh, you're running late. And when you try to tie your shoes, you can't tie them right. And then you trip and then blah, 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 like things happen because you're in that frantic state. So this is just a reminder that we can enjoy the fun, frightful things, but that is not always the reality of what's going on in the spirit realm. It's probably not what you think it is. So if you don't know anything about connecting with spirits, maybe you're going to have a negative experience like I did as a child. And then when I come to it from a place of joy, peace, um, research, understanding, trust, truth, love, then I'm going to have these positive experiences and I'm not going to be clouded by the idea that, something is going to happen to me. Um, I'm going to get possessed because those are the stories that um, movies and media and people from the church and people from your um, Boy Scout camp and your Girl Scout camp and your after-school activities tell you what it is like. Um, We don't have a lot of, you know, positive media about mediumship, about connecting with the spirit world, about any of that in uh, the United States, really. Like our impressions of what a medium is, is like Long Island medium. Um, And she's like the best we have. (laughs) Like other people, it's way more fearful too. And even just... um, Like TV shows and stuff. I definitely want to do an episode on the Ghost Whisperer. That's a fascinating show to me. But we have this idea that like, yeah, things are going to come to us in the middle of the night and attack us and hurt us until we um, connect with them or communicate with them. Like we have... We don't have any say or boundaries within the spirit realm. And if we work with a Ouija board, something's going to attach to us and we're going to get possessed and our life is going to be ruined and we're going to kill people. That's <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. So I just want to say all that before we tell this scary story to remind you guys these stories are not necessarily um, – the truth of what it is like to use a spirit board and I think it was very much like I just said very much an influence hearing the story as a young age in why I might have had some scary experiences using this tool so I invite you to release your fears with me if you have been scared to use a Ouija board or you have a negative experience um I invite you to make your own, and you and play around with it and see if you can re um, recreate that relationship. Maybe try something also called automatic writing. If you are still scared on the idea of using a board, maybe you could use um, journaling and play around with automatic writing. So there's so much fear to be released around connecting into the spirit world. And this time of year is a time where we can look those fears in the face and see our impressions that um, aren't truly ours, that we have been molded to believe based on myths and legends and um, horror films and whatnot. So all that being said, let's get into our scary story. Okay. Now remember my friends, this story is told from the perspective of a pastor. So the story begins in pre-seminary school, a boy's boarding school for young men who were going into seminary school to become pastors of the church of Jesus Christ so these men were all going to school each and every day and sleeping there at night this was located in a old church building that had been converted into dorms next to a cemetery by the lake with the new church building on the other side of the lake where church was held and classes were held during the week. So this is where our story begins. During this time, it was fun for these young men to do things maybe they weren't supposed to do as young men of the cloth that they maybe shouldn't be messing around with drinking a little whiskey or perhaps kissing a girl from the school across town at the weekend dance and maybe just maybe playing around with things called Ouija boards. If you don't know what a Ouija board is, it's a board to communicate with the dead. That's right, evil spirits. And these men, young men, wanting to be priests and pastors, were messing around with evil spirits. Something explicitly they were not supposed to do. So one day... One of the young men had purchased a Ouija board in town at a local shop. They had been selling it for Halloween. And after all, they thought, what better to do than to play around with this spooky talking board for Halloween So he purchased it. He purchased it and put it in his old rusty car and drove back to campus. The campus held in the old church next to the cemetery by the lake, knowing he's not supposed to be bringing a Ouija board to campus. He's not supposed to be using a Ouija board at all. This is evil. This is something you should never do. Never, ever do. But we were teenagers after all. So what else would we do than what we're not supposed to do? So we brought the Ouija board to campus. Now this young man, he told everyone what he got earlier that day. And told them, I think we should play with it tonight. Under the moonlight. In the cemetery. Everyone got really scared and they said, that's a horrible idea. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's evil. Some of them even threatened to tattle and tell on him. But no. They decided to do it anyway. It was Halloween after all. The perfect night to play around with something scary. So the boys, after dinner in the hall, everyone had their dinner all together and they were sent back to their rooms. The boys all decided to meet back up. Whoever was brave enough to sneak out of the dorms and sneak onto the cemetery and meet up at the biggest headstone under the moonlight to play with the Ouija board. Not everyone came. Definitely not everyone came. Most of them chickened out. So the boy that purchased the board and the boy that is telling this story... And three other boys all met up under the moonlight in the cemetery by the lake at the biggest headstone on Halloween night, ready to play around with the Ouija board. So there we have it. Five boys ready to play around on Halloween. So they took out the Ouija board. They even brought some other snacks and other contrabands they weren't supposed to have, perhaps a cigarette. And they really just wanted to experience something to see what it was like to have a little fun. Their school was grueling. They always had chores and things to do and prayer, some memorize. And this was just a little bit of a way to release some of those tensions. So they got the board out and they started asking questions. Silly questions at first, like, what's my name? Does Susie want to go on a second date? Will Bill ever get his first kiss? And they were getting answers. Some of the answers they didn't want to to know. And they were having fun until someone decided to ask a little bit more of a serious question. And the question was, where is death? Where is death? They wanted to know, maybe they wanted to know what happens after you die. Maybe they wanted to know where heaven or hell was. But they got a little bit of a different answer that night the board began to spell some letters. So if you've never seen a Ouija board, there is an alphabet and some numbers and a yes and a no in two different corners. And there's a planchette, which is a little plastic tool you put your hands on. And it has a circle in the middle that is clear so you can see what... The planchette is telling you. So you place your hands on the planchette. You ask your question. And the planchette begins to move across the board, perhaps giving you a yes, perhaps giving you a no, perhaps it begins to spell a word. So up until now... The Ouija board was giving yes or no questions, yes or no questions, and when we asked the board, where is death? It slowly began to move across the alphabet and spelling out individual letters. At first, the boys began to say, hey, you're messing around. Who's pressing it? Who's pushing it? I'm scared. But they slowly realized no one was moving the board, and the board was indeed moving on its own as it spelled the letters B Y T H. E T H E L A K E by the Lake is what it's spelled. It's spelled by the lake. Just next to where they were playing the Ouija board in the cemetery at the biggest headstone under the moonlight that happened to be by the lake. They all got chills down their spine and slowly began to turn their head. Ever so slowly to see if there's anything over there by the lake. In the middle of the lake, and this was a small, tiny, little man-made lake, something you might see in a golf course. There's a patch of grass in the middle of the lake. Sometimes they put flags there or different headstones and markers. But this time of year, that patch of grass is empty. And when they turned their head to see what was over by the lake, they saw a hooded figure standing as if they were floating in the air above the lake, clouded in black darkness they couldn't entirely see but it looked as if the figure was pointing directly at them and this figure looked as if it was death itself holding a sickle and pointing at them in the cemetery under the moonlight On Halloween, the boys could not scramble and run away fast enough. They began to run as fast as they could back to the dorms. Quickly as they could, they had brought the board back with them in the bag and stuffed everything as quickly as they could, and they ran away back into the dorms. Now, if you've never used a Ouija board before, the story is the board can give you yes or no answers and it can spell things out. But the board is essentially creating a portal for you to communicate with the spirits. And often the spirits will come through with a message for you. But if you do not say goodbye, The spirits will continue to connect to you for all time. And these boys did not say goodbye or close the portal, close the board. They just ran away from the sight of death itself. They ran away screaming at each other. Why did you ask that question? What did you guys see? What was that? I'm terrified. Running, running, running until they got into the dorms. And they had to begin to sneak inside so as not to get caught. They didn't want to get in trouble and they didn't know how to tell anyone what they saw. So they just ran back into their dorms and ran under the covers and pulled the covers over their head and just closed their eyes and attempted to pretend to be asleep. And remember, it was only a few of the boys that went. So there were other people back in the dorms waiting for them. And as they panted and clenched their eyes tight underneath the covers, silence was so loud in the room. You could hear the other boys sleeping, their breath going in and out. But all the five boys could think of was, what did I see? What was that figure like? Am I going to die? Is this what evil is? And all of a sudden, one of the boys, the boys who purchased the board and brought it out and initiated the conversation, the boy who asked the question he was sleeping right next to a window he could feel the cold glass the window pane next to him with the sound of the wind rushing against the pane he just attempted to fall asleep but he couldn't Because he began to hear tapping on the window pane. When he looked out the window, moving his head ever so slightly he saw that same shadowy figure, a hooded black robe, a sickle, and a ghastly skeleton hand pointing directly at him. The problem was the boy's dorm room was on the fifth floor and there was no way Anyone could be standing outside of his window. He screamed. And that's when the boys had to tell the truth. They went and grabbed the priest, the pastor, and they told him the truth of using the Ouija board and what happened that night. And they were required to burn the board to release the evil spirits. But the boys were scared that death had found them. And perhaps they would never get away, even if they burned the board and buried it in the cemetery under the moon. On Halloween night. And that is our scary story. Were you scared? (laughs) Were you scared? So I think that story scared the shit out of me as a kid. I was so terrified. My friend told it to me. I remember distinctively she told it to me and we were like having a sleepover and we were sleeping by a window and she tap that window oh lord lord my my soul left my body i was so scared but i think the funniest part of that story to me is pretty much it just ended like they were like oh we saw death it was terrifying but it was fine because i told a man of the god and he just helped me release it and it's fine so just um have god help you basically um don't fuck around with those things but you can get out of it essentially if you have God on your side and that was kind of like the story that the pastor told because I think they didn't want to scare kids too much so I don't think this is a true story but I would love to know if it was a true story what the true ending was because they made that that ending real short <laughs> they didn't want to scare us too much But I hope I scared you a little bit. And I hope that you can enjoy this time of year. Happy Halloween. I love you. And I will see you guys next week. And if you're really scared, I invite you to go into the bathroom, turn off the light, and look at yourself in the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times.